0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Well, I'm excited that today we get to start the new teaching series that I talked about last week. It's a six week series in the book of Ephesians. The series is called God's Work Our Walk. If you were here last weekend, you'll recall that I gave everyone who was here a homework assignment. And that assignment was that you would, uh, beginning last Monday, read one chapter of Ephesians per day so that by the time we came back today, today, you would have read through the entire book. And the thought was, the desire, my prayer was that the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to you through uh, the words, the, the truths in Ephesians long before we ever gathered here today. And then it causes our learning to be exponential. For all of those who were here last week, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Uh, and you you completed the assignment, well done. If I had gold stars, I would give them to you right now. Um, For those who weren't here last weekend and you didn't know about it, or for those who were and you just didn't get it done, it's okay. Much grace to you. And here's why. There's a whole new week ahead of us. So if you were reading Ephesians this past week, I'm going to start over. Just begin to read a chapter per day and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And if you didn't do it last week, then guess what? Tomorrow, start and would you begin to read one chapter of Ephesians each day with a desire, the prayer, Holy Spirit, would you begin to speak to me the truths from this 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 book, that I can apply them to my life because that's what it's all about. We want to grow. Now, we have two resources uh, that will help you carry uh, Ephesians on into your your, uh, weekly uh, routine. If you'll look in your worship guide and if you'll pull out these two things, these two things, I'm going to talk about this one first. Uh, This is... I'm so excited about this. This is a devotional guide that was actually uh, created uh, by our... Uh, Grace Covenant staff, um, our communications team, and what you have is a devotional that has six uh, daily devotionals in it, each one being in theme with a message that will be taught that week in lining up with a particular chapter uh, of uh, of Ephesians. Uh, the devotionals were written by pastors and staff across all three of our campuses each one of them has some questions that you can consider that will help take you deeper into your study of Ephesians. So I, I trust that you would begin to use this, incorporate it into your uh, your daily devotional life. The other thing that you have in your worship guide is a bookmark that looks like this. This is from Freedom in Christ Ministries. Um, today we're going to be talking about our identity in Christ. I, I don't know about you, but there are times where the enemy, we do have an enemy, he has a name, he's a deceiver, um, will come and try to steal away my identity by telling me something else other than what God, uh, this morning we're saying, I am what he says I am. That's what we have to believe. And so this is something you can put in a prominent place, your Bible, on a mirror, in your bathroom, on your refrigerator door, whatever it might be. And when, you, when those deceiving words begin to come or when there's, Um, situations that cause you to doubt who you are, your identity in Christ, you can just begin to pull this out and read. Who am I in Christ? I am accepted. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I've been united with the Lord, one spirit. There's a whole list of these with scripture references uh, of where they're found. And it's just, uh, it'll, it'll build you up. It's a great way to fight the enemy because has anybody had the, the enemy this past week try to deceive you? Yeah, uh, the yeah the few several brave ones, uh, and, and that's just what he does. So I want to step into the first message of, of this series, but let me pray before we do. Father, thank you, thank you for your, um, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you poured out in this place today. Uh, I, I pray, Father God, that we would all embrace the work of the Spirit and not be fearful of it, but to know that you are, uh, you're gentle in your ways. Uh, and you don't condemn, uh, you, you draw us closer uh, to the Father. And, and so we thank you for that. And, and uh, today, uh, we are thankful that we have time to look to the Word. And as we look to the Word, um, I ask that you would just cause us to grow and become more like you through your Word and through the Holy Spirit. Uh, we offer ourselves to you, we submit ourselves to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, as I said, we're in Ephesians. We're going to be looking at one chapter uh, each week. So uh, because we're in a study in Ephesians, I thought it would be good if I lay some foundational work this first week. Um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The recipients were the Ephesians. And the reason they were identified as Ephesians is because they lived in the city of Ephesus. So first, let me just give you a little uh, history, a little context about the city of Ephesus. Um, Ephesus was uh, a very cosmopolitan city. There was a great diversity of cultures and people in, in that city. It was located near the western shores of what we now know as modern Turkey. It was a dominant harbor city of the Roman Empire and it boasted a population of about 250,000 people. It was only second in the world to the city of Alexandria because at that time it housed the second largest library in the world. Uh, It was a very uh, politically and economically strong city um, and so much so that the Roman Empire had given Ephesus the ability to self-govern. They were very autonomous. Uh, within that city was one of the uh, seven wonders of the ancient world, that being a temple that was devoted to the cult worship of the goddess Diana and so with that it was a very large gaudy temple covered with gold and with jewels and it's safe to say that in that temple because it was a center for cult worship there was a lot of demonic activity that went on in that that city yet in the midst of that very cosmopolitan city where there were all these diversities of people and where this uh, center for cult worship existed there was a couple by the name of Priscilla and a And they planted a church. They were the first to plant the gospel in the city of Ephesus. Later, that church was pastored by the Apostle Paul for three and a half years. And in that city, that church began to take root. And it was from that city that the gospel, the church began to grow and spread out into that region of the world. And so with that, there's much more we could say. But that's a quick flyover of Ephesus. Let me just give you kind of a flyover uh, of uh, the book of Ephesians as a whole. Again, it's got six chapters. And those chapters are divided really into two sections. The first three chapters are very deeply theological in nature, and we need that theology. We need to understand the doctrines uh, of the Christian faith. But the second three chapters are very practical and they focus on the behavior of the believer. And that's important too because we don't want to just have knowledge, but we want to know how to take that knowledge, allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us so that it works in us and it begins to work itself out in our behaviors how we live our life. Because what does the word say? They'll know you're Christians by the way you love, by the way you live your life. And so again, it's not just about knowledge. But it's about knowing how it works out in your life. Uh, the, the book of Ephesians is said to be um, the one of the most rich, spiritually wealthy books of the New Testament in that it embraces uh, the full scope of the doctrines of the Christian faith. In, every, in other words, everything that we need for life and for godliness is contained in, in, in the book of Ephesians. There's a reoccurring theme in Ephesians, uh, we find it predominantly in the first chapter chapter but we'll find it repetitively throughout and it's uh, the fact of our identity. So that's what we're going to talk about today. One of the things we're going to talk about uh, we find a, a repetitive phrase in Christ or in Him and what Paul is uh, working to have us know is that uh, our identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. He is our foundation. Nothing else, nothing can steal that identity away because we've been placed in Christ. That is our identity. I suppose we could say that the heart of Paul's letter is that as believers we would understand that we have been through the provision of Jesus Christ we've been redeemed and we've been restored so that we can thrive and honor God with every part of our lives. Uh, so that's an overview of the of book as a whole. Before I move any further, I think there's something that would be good to acknowledge. Uh, I just said that the book of Ephesians covers the full scope of the Christian doctrines. Uh, that it is, it is the spiritually rich book of the New Testament. And um, with that, uh, I also want to remind us... That collectively over the next six weeks, we're going to be in the series for six weeks. But what that collectively means is we only have about three hours together. Let me break that down a little further. We have about 30 minutes each week. So as much as I would love to be able to do a line by line precept study. And that's what I've been doing for the past few weeks. And that's what I spent much of my time this week doing. Going line by line, word by word, just digging out what's there. We're not going to have time to do that. In our 30 minutes together each week, we're gonna look at uh, themes uh, uh, of each book. So, here's what that means for you, and this is why it's important to acknowledge you have the opportunity in your own personal spiritual growth and discipleship plan to dive deeper into Ephesians throughout the week. That's why we would provide this resource. It is so important that we understand that never in this lifetime will we get all that we need spiritually when we come together on a Sunday for uh, our worship Segment and our time in the Word, which is all worship. It's just not possible. We have to be in a continual process of feeding ourselves on the Word. It has to be consistent and it has to be constant. So you have the opportunity to do that. It's, it's, your, it's your personal discipleship. It becomes your personal spiritual growth plan. I, I want to just take just a moment to talk to you about this whole concept of discipleship. Uh, For the past three weeks, while we were in the Art of Neighboring, we talked about the fact that uh, Jesus has commissioned us to go into all the world and make disciples. So we know that that's what we're supposed to do. But do you know where that begins? It begins with our own personal discipleship. We can't be disciples who make disciples unless we're discipling ourselves and allowing other people to disciple us. It happens in a, in a combination of ways. But you have to have a personal spiritual growth plan that consists of a steady diet in the word. I have a friend who is a missionary in Eastern Europe. In fact, he oversees uh, the region of uh, Eastern Europe for Foursquare Missions. His name is Jeff Roper. And Jeff wrote something this week that I came across. Uh, and, and he talked about the goal of discipleship. And it was so profound. It's the best, um, I even hate to call it a definition. It's the best explanation of discipleship that I, I've ever heard. And this is what he said. He said, the goal of our discipleship Is to bring every area of our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He didn't stop there, but I want to say that again. The goal of discipleship is to bring every area of our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Lordship meaning, I submit to you, you are the one who controls my life. It's not me, but it's you. So the goal of discipleship is to bring every area of life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And then he went on to say, to heal the wound of sin. To heal the wound of sin. So when we came into relationship with Jesus Christ. At that moment. We were positionally made right in Jesus Christ. At that moment we became new creations. The old passed away. And the new life came. I don't know about you. But I find myself having to work out. Some of the wounds of sin in my life on a daily basis. So I know. That I am new in Jesus Christ. But I'm also learning how that works itself out in the way I think. In the way I love. In my relationships. In how I carry out my life. That the wound of sin has to be healed. And Jesus heals that. So the goal of discipleship is to bring every area of life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. To heal the wound of sin. To bring the disciple into the newness of life in Christ. So we're always moving into that newness of life. And so if you begin to think about that's your goal in your daily Bible study. That's your goal is to bring every area of your life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ to heal the wound of sin so that we can walk in newness of life. And it's a constant, it's a consistent ongoing pursuit. It, it, it never ends. And thankfully... Uh, as a whole of the Bible is, Ephesians is a powerful tool that helps us to experience this kind of discipleship. So I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter one, and while you 're turning there, I want to tell you quickly the story of Hetty Green. And this is a real story it 's not a fictional story. Um, Hetty Green was declared to be america 's greatest miser. And this is verified in the Guinness World Book of Records. You can find Hetty Green as America's greatest miser. When Hetty Green died, she was worth $100 million. This is true. She was worth $100 million. Let me tell you some of how she got there. She would do things like eat cold oatmeal so that she didn't have to pay for the heating cost of warming up the liquids that would, the, the, the oats would be boiled in. Her son had a problem with his leg. He ended up having to have his leg amputated because Hetty took so long in trying to find a free clinic to treat his leg. Hetty um, actually, this is true. Hetty actually died of a stroke that was brought on by an argument, and the argument was over the value of skim milk versus whole milk. This is true. And Hetty favored what? Skim milk because it was cheaper. So, Hetty was a very wealthy woman, but she chose not to live as according to her identity as a wealthy woman. She chose not to enjoy the riches that she had, uh, the, the enjoyment of her wealth. Today, as we look at the first chapter of Ephesians, particularly the first 14 vor- verses, we're going to uh, discover, be reminded of who we are. We're going to focus on the fact that our identity is in Christ. Paul makes this very clear in the first chapter of Ephesians. But we're also going to see all that we have. When we read verse 3, in just a moment, we're going to, Paul says, uh, you have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. So we have great wealth, great spiritual wealth. Uh, So I want to read to you the first 14 verses. Why don't you follow along as I read? Beginning of verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has already freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And with that, we could say, amen, you're dismissed, go home, because it's all there. And it's quite understandable. We, ha- we are very rich people. We are very spiritually wealthy people. And Paul lays this out. He lays this out in such a way. Listen, um, if you and I don't know who we are as followers of Christ, here's what's going to happen. We're going to live far below the blessings of, And the destiny that God has for us. And when we look to chapter 1, once again, we see this predominant theme uh, in in the verses that we read. And all throughout Ephesians of the identity of the believer. In those verses that we read, Paul deals with the position of the believer. In other words, Paul is dealing with the fact that God has positionally placed us in Christ. When we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God places us in Christ. Because our position is in Christ, our position dictates our identity. If our position is in Christ, then that means our identity can only be in Christ. We are in Christ. Um, No less than nine times in these first 14 verses do we find certification of this identity of our identity in Christ. Listen to this in verse 3 he says "Blessed, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm in Christ. In verse 4 he says we are chosen to be holy and blameless in Christ. In verse 5, he says, we are adopted into God's family through Jesus Christ. In verse 7, he says, we have redemption in Christ. In verse 8, the mystery of God's will has been made to known to us in Christ. In verse 11, in Christ, we were chosen to share in his inheritance. In verse 12, in Christ, we are the glory of God in the way we live our lives. In verse 13, we were included in the gospel In Christ. And in verse 14. In Christ we were marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Paul makes it very clear. Our identity is in Christ. It cannot be denied that we are in Christ. He affirms this in Colossians. The book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 3. My favorite verse my, one of my life verses, I'll say it that way. He says, but you died and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. So in other words, bef- when we came into release, re- rela- a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that old person died. It was put to death. And now we have been placed in Christ. In other words, our life is hidden with Christ in God. That's how we live out our lives. And while this is true, the problem is, is that too often as believers, we uh, allow ourselves to become victims of identity theft. Think about it. And And I'm... We hear a lot about identity theft today. There's a lot of commercials on TV. I think LifeLock is one of them. That's not the kind of identity theft that I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual identity theft. Let me tell you what that is. Spiritual identity theft is when we allow our enemy. And again, we do have an enemy. He has a name. His name is Satan. Satan. He's also known as the father of lies. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to steal away our identity in Christ. Uh, And so, uh, spiritual identity theft is when our enemy, uh, Satan, begins to work directly with us or he can work through other people to, to, uh, to convince us to steal away the fact that we are hidden away with Christ in God. And the way that, that he does it or as he works through other people is to try to convince us that actually our identity is in our past sins. So if you're struggling with that, if you're struggling with your past, if you've come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ and you're struggling then here's what I would say. Don't listen to the lie. Your identity is not in your past sins. You're not identified by your past because the old is gone and the new has come. We're walking in newness of life. Sometimes the enemy tries to steal away our spiritual identity by our current failures. Maybe you're just not doing really well at life right now. And so somehow you... You 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 allow yourself to believe that that is your identity, your current situation.
1: You know what's what's interesting? Reflecting back in this letter that Paul wrote again, remember he he um, he visited them, and when he came back, he sent a letter. Um, it didn't work. He heard that they were not behaving, so he sent the second letter, which is actually First Corinthians. Um, it still didn't work. We actually know from Second Corinthians that Paul. Actually uh, made a visit, another visit, a second visit. It's not recorded in Acts, but in 2 Corinthians he talks about the time he came back to them again because they just weren't getting it. He'd had a personal visit, two different letters, he'd sent different people, and they just were really struggling. So he went out, and it says that he had a painful meeting, is how he described it. A painful visit. And... uh, So it was a come to Jesus meeting, I guess, where he just and laid it on the line, and we know from Second Corinthians and the content that we've seen there that they finally began to get it, because the tone is very different. They finally discovered that the significance in life comes from serving one another, not from being selfish and wanting things your own way. Serving one another is the key. <clears throat> May that always be true for the people of Grace Covenant, Statesville. Let's pray. Father, this morning we've had a chance to, um, again, just to, to sing and lift our voices and worship. We've had a chance to give. We've had a chance to talk and share and, and laugh at some goofy videos. And um, Father, again, all of it is because of our love and, and our passion for you and our desire to live out our faith. And Father, even though our faith is incredibly personal, it was never meant to be individualistic. It was always intended to be lived in relationship with other Christ followers. So God, thank you for the people of Grace Covenant Statesville. Father, thank you for what you're building and developing here and that you've called us to be a part of it. And uh, Lord, our desire is to honor you in all that we say and do. Father, if there's anyone here who's feeling a little left out, I pray, God, that an extra dose of grace would be on them this morning. Father, that uh, maybe there's feelings have been hurt or maybe things didn't set quite right. Father, I pray that you would heal that in the name of Jesus right now. And Father, maybe there's, as we're just sitting here reflecting. Maybe, Father, someone comes to mind that maybe we weren't as gracious as we could have been, and maybe we need to go back to them and ask for forgiveness and make sure that their relationship is right. Uh, Father, I pray that you would protect this congregation from those seeds of anger, from those seeds of strife and division, that they would not take root and they, they would die quickly. Father, that your Holy Spirit would protect us as a congregation. So, Father, we thank you again for this day. And, Lord, as we leave this place, I ask, Father, that you would uh, continue to go before us and prepare the way. Father, that you give your people favor with uh, the tasks they put their hands to, with the relationships and the people they meet. Father, that each would be blessed this day, I pray. And it's in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. But oftentimes we fail to take account the given inventory of the spiritual wealth that we actually have. And so I want to spend the last few minutes, I want to just give an inventory of the wealth that Paul gives uh, in, in this passage. Um, I, I love it, I, and I keep coming back to this, but in verse 3, Paul says, we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. It's, it's, it's uh, I find it interesting that he refers to them as spiritual blessings and not material blessings. And he does it as spiritual blessings because Paul's talking about the eternal. He's not talking about the material. We know that the material doesn't last. It, it, it fades away. Uh, it, 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 it rusts. It, it, it's gone with time. But the eternal is eternal. It, it, it never does. So what Paul isn't saying is Paul isn't saying, you're blessed, 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 blessed. And so by being blessed, you're going to get that big dream house you wanted. And also you're going to get that big vacation home that you wanted and that car you wanted. You're going to get it. I'm not saying you, you might get those things, but that's not God's ultimate goal for you. God's ultimate goal is that we would live out in these spiritual blessings that give us everything that we need for life and godliness to live out as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we've been given. So let me give you an inventory, much like the inventory I gave at the beginning, but I'm going to do this again. It's a little different. In verse 4, he chose us before we chose him and he chose us for a purpose. To be holy and blameless. In verse 5. It was settled that we would be adopted as his sons and daughters long before he created the world. In verse 7. It is through God's son Jesus Christ that a ransom has been paid. That ransom was the cost of his own blood. And now we are redeemed and fully forgiven of our sin in proportion to God's generous grace. Verse 9. In and through Christ, God has allowed us to know the secret of his plan, which was to remove the dividing walls of conflict and to bring everything together under him. In verse 11, we've been promised a share, an inheritance in all that belongs to God. We are heirs of the Father and joint heirs with His Son. In verses 13 and 14, we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, guaranteeing our final redemption in the resurrection when Christ returns. The sealing of the Holy Spirit means that the transaction is completed. It's finished and now we're under new ownership. We belong To God. Would you agree with me that our identity is in Christ, and because we're in Christ, we are spiritually wealthy people? Paul didn't say you've been given some of what you need, he's been saying you've been given every spiritual blessing in heaven. But there are times where we fail, we have a memory loss, we forget. We have amnesia. We, we, we forget, oh, I'm, I'm in Christ. That's, that's my identity. We act as if we don't know who we are. Um, uh, so often we, we, we fail to remember what we have in Christ, the, the riches that we have. Um, our identity uh, doesn't depend on material things, but it depends on what God says we are. Um, there are two things I want to do as I end. I want to, I want to tell you another very quick story. Uh, and then I want to read you the latter passion, portion of uh, Paul's prayer at, at the end of the chapter. Uh, the story is this, uh, and this is a true story. I ran across this week. I'm just giving you a very condensed version. There was an older man who um, had property and struck oil on the property. And not just a little bit, but gushers, gushers of oil. I mean, more oil than you can imagine. Um, and so he suddenly became a very wealthy man and recognized that he needed to do something with that wealth so he began to put money in the bank Um, the banker at his bank became very familiar with many of his behavior patterns Uh, and so there would be times where the older man would come into the bank and he would be pretty downtrodden and he would pass the bank go to the banker and he would say uh, grass in the fields dead sheep are all sick and the water holes are empty. Grass in the fields dead. Sheep are all sick, and the water holes are all empty. And the banker, knowing his patterns, would take the man into, I suppose, a vault area, and he would pull out, uh, uh, symbolically, he would pull out several bags of silver coins representing a portion of the wealth that the man had. And the man would just s- sit there, and he would look at all that he had. In other words, he was reminded that he was a very wealthy man. Later, he would leave the bank, and as he was leaving, he would go to the banker, and he would say, grass is all green, sheep are all well, water holes are full. You know why he did that? His perspective changed because he took an inventory. He was reminded, it's all okay. I I have great wealth. Uh, And so today, we're not talking about material wealth like that. We're talking about something even greater, We're talking about spiritual wealth. And so we have to continually take an inventory. Again, this is why your daily discipleship is so important because in that every day you're taking an inventory of what you've been given in Jesus Christ. And it's where our perspectives change. And it's where life happens. The the Word is alive. And it changes how we live our life. The behaviors become godly. We begin to follow after Him. I want to read this prayer that Paul prays to you as I close today. Beginning in verse 16 it says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's my prayer for all of us is that we would have wisdom, revelation, knowledge from the Holy Spirit, that we would know the riches of the wealth that we've been provided through Jesus Christ. Because when we can embrace that, we're going to live our lives completely different. We really will. It's life transforming. And I believe that we can do that. Would you stand? And I encourage you take Ephesians on into your week. But I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the power in your word. Uh, Thank you that it's all there. And, and thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit. So as we dig, you enlighten us, you, you reveal to us, you teach us about your word. And so I pray that we've learned and we've grown today. And I pray that as we leave this place, we would continue throughout the week to just learn to draw from the riches of Ephesians, Father God. I pray that even what we've heard today, what we've learned would change our perspective because we would be reminded of how wealthy we are as, as believers. We're spiritually rich. Help us to live like spiritually rich wealthy people and not like spiritual misers. Father God, I pray that you work this in us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.